Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. It is good to be here. I actually was a, a youth leader across this street for like four years. And, um, and while I was here, I actually uh, was uh, doing accounting. I did the PPA thing, and then I was like, you know, the best way to use accounting is to disciple high school kids. And so I went straight into uh, high school ministry here and then <laughs> eventually made it up uh, to Dallas, Texas. Uh, and so that's where I am right now, discipling high school students. Uh, and let me just say, it is a pleasure to be here with you guys. It's so, uh, oh wow, it's just an honor to be here. Every speaking engagement, I don't take it lightly. So uh, it's good to be here with you guys. I will warn you, I am just a Tidge bit sick. So if I like cough or something, then yeah, just ignore me. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to start with this. There is a, a very brave man by the name of Sean Ellis, right? Who's heard of Sean Ellis? No one. All right, good. Uh, Sean Ellis was, is a, a brave, brave, brave guy. Uh, but, but even more than his bravery is his love for animals. His love for animals, especially his love for wolves. And one time he found a pack of orphan wolves. And he said, you know what? These poor, poor orphan wolves don't have mom and dad wolf to help them raise them the right way and turn them into adult wolves and help them get that adult wolf job, right? And live and, you know, whatever wolves do. Uh, and so he said, you know, I'm going to take that role. And actually, I'm going to be the mom and dad of these wolf orphans. So he steps into this community of wolves, and we're going to see exactly what that looks like right here. National Geographic, got it. This spring on the National Geographic Channel. Abandoned at birth, the one leader these wolves have known is Sean Ellis, a man living among them as one of them, eating, playing, and surviving. He is doing what no one has done before, immersing himself into their world, leading them by example and teaching wolves how to survive in the wild. This is an ideal time now to start to begin to teach them their language. And the best place to start is with the howl. Let's see how he gets on. (laughs) Adorable, yeah, it is, I know, I know. what I love about Sean Ellis's, um, obviously his love for animals makes him do crazy stuff like live with wolves and stop living in a home and doing normal adult things and uh, eat raw wildebeest or whatever wolves eat. Uh, and, uh, and, and just sleep. in other clips, he's like sleeping with them and it's just, it gets weird, honestly. Uh, I just, I just say the cute stuff for you guys. Uh, uh, but, but the thing about Sean Ellis that he's missing about being a part of a wolf community is that you actually have to be a wolf in order to be and fit in with the wolf community, right? You gotta be a wolf. Because essentially the the point of being a wolf, uh, the essential part of being a wolf is that you have those wolf instincts. You You have that wolf pack mentality that it's not about me, it's about the pack. And so you hunt together, you put down that elk together, you eat together, you do everything together. And it's not just so simple for you to replace uh, an alpha wolf with some guy named Sean Ellis, right? 
I mean, if, if anyone was going to get close, it'd be Sean. But, you know, even he cannot do what an actual wolf can do. And, and it, we see this throughout uh, nature and, and, and different animals, but we see that uh, across the board. In creation, and what, what God has created is, is, is we see community across creation, everywhere. You see it in wolves, uh, whales, birds, whatever, all these animals. But you also get this sense of deep, deep community in the human being's life. And it is a part of this community that, that Sean really should be, right? He doesn't need to be a part of wolves because they can do their own thing. What he really needs is friends. And I think largely it's because he didn't have those that he decided, you know what, forget people, wolves, right? Let's do it. Uh, and it's because of that community that he had uh, got away from that, that he starts to, you know, be strange Sean Ellis. But for us, you know, for us, for us normal non-wolf people, uh, we are called to be in community. It is in community where we grow the best, It's where we grow the best. And it is absolutely imperative as a Christian, as someone that's been called by Christ to be in a community of believers that is helping you grow, that is helping you form spiritually and get to know the Savior that has saved you, redeemed you from your sins and forgiven you from that. It is so imperative that you are a part of a community. It's so imperative. So uh, if the truth is you, you'll have a tough time. You'll have a, such an intensely tough time trying to grow as a believer if you try to do this on your own. If you try to do this whole Christian thing on your own, you will have a tough time growing. Uh, what you need is a committed community that is deeply and intimately concerned about your spiritual walk where you are with Christ, what are you doing in your walk, where are your sin struggles, what is happening there, how can we develop each other better. So if you aren't in an invited, uh, committed community that is all about Christ, it is absolutely necessary that you guys find somewhere to be. And this, this right here, this community, this is a great start. There's a lot of you guys here, uh, but what I'm talking about is some community that's happening every single day of your life, not just Sunday morning, not just Wednesday night or whenever you might have Bible study, but community that's lasting throughout the week. People that are calling you daily and asking you, hey, how are you doing? Where are you at? How was your time with God? What can I pray for you for? People that are, are loving you well and wanna go deep with you and you with them. Because time and time again, what we see in our individualistic culture is a bunch of Christians who have taken on this American identity of me. It's about me. It's where I want to go to college. It's what job I want. It's the house that I'm going to buy. It's my family. It's my kids. It's all about me. And we import this American culture into our Christian culture as well. And we start to think it is this, my my walk, my relationship with God, it is about my personal time with God. It's about my quiet time. It's about my prayer life. It's about me memorizing scripture. But what we don't understand is that's just one side of that coin. That's just, if you're doing those things, you're only getting 50%, which is failing, right? You got to have the other side. You got to be a part of a community that will dive in deep with you. And what's so sad, and I see this time and time again in high school students and college students and young adults and mainly in older adults is you get people that get so close to finding this community. They, they find a bunch of Christians who all uh, have believed in Christ as their savior, all are forgiven and are trying to live this life in accordance with that belief. 
but, but they're not totally serious about the community. And what you get is a bunch of people that are just marginally concerned with each other. And they're not diving in deep. They're not asking, hey, what are you struggling with? What can I help you with? What can I pray for you about? What can I do for you? And what we get is a lot of people that are concerned about the get and not really concerned about the giving. And I think if we think about our own communities, man, this, this might shock us, right? This might speak to us in the sense that maybe the community I'm a part of isn't really living to the standard that the church is called to in Scripture. Maybe not. So the question we're going to ask today is not, should I be in community? Should I be in community? That's an obvious yes. That's a guaranteed yes. If you are a believer, you got to be in the church. you got to be in community. But the question we're going to ask today is, how can we best form a Christ-reflecting community, and how can I be a part of that? How can I best be a part of that? What do I need to do? What does my heart need to look like? What does my life need to look like in order to be a part of a community that's reflecting Christ to the best? ability, right? So we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, uh, turn to Colossians 3.12. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. we got this right up here. All right. So here's what Colossians is saying. Paul is writing to this church in Colossae, uh, and what he's going to be saying to them largely is saying, hey, church, you have taken that step. You have believed in Christ. Christ is your savior. He has forgiven you of your sins. You are now a part of this church community. You have taken that step. Now what, am I, what are you gonna do next? What is the next step in this process? What can you do now that you have already become a Christian? So everything he's gonna write to the church of Colossae is what's about the next step. So what we get then is verse three, or chapter three, verse 12. He's gonna say, put on then as God, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony." And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. So let's dissect this a little bit. In verse 12, from the very beginning, Paul's going to start his argument with, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What he's doing here is from the very outset, he's going to point out that it is your identity in Christ that's going to be the foundation of your community. It's your identity in Christ. So what he's saying is you have been chosen by God. You are now holy and beloved. It's not anything you did. It's not anything you earned, but God decided I'm gonna choose you to be a part of this community. I'm gonna choose you to be a part of this community and you are made holy, which means set apart and you are beloved by God. And it's from that identity that we first start to look at how can we form this community. And it's out of this new identity that we, we, we look. So just like when Texas A&M sent you guys that letter in the mail when you were just uh, you know, a, a dumpy high school student that you, know, uh, you got that, that letter in the mail that said, hey, congratulations, you've been accepted to Texas A&M and you whooped or whatever you did. Uh, and you, I don't know, 
film to put on Facebook, Instagram, and then you, you know, you came here, uh, and then that was out of that new identity that you started to live. So no longer were you, you know, going to football practice or going to Spanish club or whatever you're doing in high school. You weren't working at uh, Muya or something, but now you are a part of this fine institution, all right? And so you, you went and you bought more maroon clothes. You, uh, you started, you found a place to rent. You got some roommates, uh, and you started going to class. You started studying, and it's out of that new identity that you became uh, an Aggie, right? You became an Aggie. So in the same way, we have been chosen by God, just as you were chosen by A&M to be a student. We have been chosen by God, but, but different than A&M is that you did not earn a grade to get there. You did not pass the SAT to get there, right? You have just been chosen by the Lord by Christ. And is this, this identity that we are now going to live. It's the basis of this, that Paul's going to tell Christians what is good and what is real. Uh, there's a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Is anyone familiar with this dude? Um, this guy was an intensely active German believer uh, in, the, in the Nazi Germany right before World War II started and during uh, World War II. And what he was so passionate about was forming community with believers in the midst of this intense persecution. So he would form these communities, and he would, uh, he, would, he would start to pastor these communities, but as the Nazi opposition got more and more, these people started to either defect or disappear. And so the community of faith started to, start to disintegrate. And so what he did was he took a bunch of believers and said, we're just going to go find a place on the coast, and we're going to find a seminary, and we're going to do life together. And then he decided out of the principles of that, he wrote a book called Life Together. And it is in this book that we get a lot on how to live as a community. And what he says in this is, without Christ, we would not know God. We can neither call on God nor come to God. Moreover, without Christ, we would not know other Christians around us, nor could we approach them. The way to them is blocked by one's own ego. Yikes. Christ opened up the way to God and to one another. Now Christians can live with each other in peace. They can love and serve one another. They can become one, but they can continue to do so only through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. Can you do this? Because if you try apart from Christ, you will only fail because you get in the way of that community. It is by your pride that is going to get in the way. It's going to block your way to community with other believers. So what Dietrich is saying is that only by Christ and our relationship with him do we share a common savior that unites us all into one body into one body, into one flesh, into one church. We are united. And this shared identity is the foundation for this community. It's only by Christ and your love for him that you can form the community that you need to be a part of. 
pretty soon all you guys are going to have to make a pretty big life transition as you, uh, as you become uh, not a student, but go out into the workplace and be uh, someone that is part of a corporation, that you are an employee somewhere. And, and that transition is going to be a little difficult as you find out you're going to stop. Your transition is going to be one of identity where you were formerly a student. You were, you know, you were studying for classes. You were going maybe to classes. You were taking tests. You were taking exams. You were studying during finals. And you're going to transition from this point in your life into being an employee. And you're going to have to start going to meetings. And you're going to have to start being a part of projects. And you're going to have to uh, be an employee that shows up at 8 o'clock in the morning and stays till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, five days a week, every week. forever and ever, and your life is going to start looking differently, and you're going to uh, move away from this beloved town, um, which has been your refuge for so long, and you're going uh, to start to dress a little nicer. You're going to buy some business cash, you know, guys out there, and you're going to start working on that wardrobe a little bit, uh, and you are going to maybe get a better house. Maybe you live in Uptown, and you're going to have a commute. You have to drive to work, right? It's going to take a while because, uh, you know, you're going to live in the city. So your identity is going to change from student to employee. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, the question that you're going to get more than any other question in your whole life, whenever you meet somebody is what do you do? What do you do? And I'm telling you right now, as a youth pastor, that leads to a lot of hilariously awkward conversations. When we were like, oh, I'm a youth pastor. Like, huh. And then they walk away because... No one wants to talk to the church guy. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so, um, so the same thing uh, as being a Christian. We're going to act differently once we've gotten to know Christ than what we were before. And that's just natural, right? Out of our new identity, our lives are going to change. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean all your sin is going to instantly disappear and you became an angel with a halo and wings and start flying around singing hymns all the time. That's not going to happen. The fact is that you are still a sinner. You still got a lot of sin you need to deal with in your life. Am I right? And it comes to conflict with this new identity you found in Christ where you have your flesh that wants to sin so bad all the time, that just once and once and once, and your new identity in Christ, which is called to love and the service, and they're going to clash. And what we see time and time again is that sin is mostly devastating because it isolates you from God. It isolates you from your community. And when you are isolated and when you're on your own, you are easily picked off. You're easily picked off. Just like a pack of wolves going for an elk. They're just one of them, easily picked off. So we see the importance in community is to have each other's back and to be part of something where we can get into our lives, get each other's lives and root out that sin, root out that isolation and become the community that God wants us to be. So in in Colossians 3, Paul's gonna say to put on a few things. And so this verb to put on, he's talking, it's the same verb that uh, we use to talk about putting on clothes. So early in in chapter three, he's gonna say, take off the old way of life. So just like a jacket, you're gonna shed that old way of life and now you're called to put on this new, these 
new virtues, right? So he's going to say, clothe yourself with a compassionate heart. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with patience, with meekness. And all of these virtues are going to mirror the way that Jesus lived his life. It's not a coincidence. All of these virtues are going to mirror the way that Jesus was, right? And so, as you can see, all of these virtues are going to be selfless. They're going to be uh, outward directed, others directed, which is, it makes so much sense when you consider them in the context of a community, right? And so we learn, not only do we reflect Jesus by living out these virtues, but we become and form a more Christ-reflecting community by putting on compassionate heart and humility and meekness. And we put aside our self-seeking desires. We put aside ourselves. We give up the things that we want in order to be a part of a community that loves each other and and reflects Christ well. So honestly, guys, it is a win-win. It's a win-win. You become more like Christ and your community becomes more like Christ. It's great. Uh, But let me tell you right now, it is way easier said than done. It is so much easier to talk about community and be like, you guys need to find community. Uh, It's way easier for me to say that to you than to actually go and do it. And let me be honest with you. When I was at A&M, I was a part of, uh, I don't know, 10 Bible studies across the time I was here. And I know of two in particular I had uh, with with, uh, an organization I was in uh, where we, a group of eight, I don't know, 10 guys came together and they were awesome. They were so cool. They they were doing the Christian thing. They were were believers. They were rock stars in that, and they, uh, we formed, we tried to form this Bible study, but what we found was that we were so involved in everything else, we were in 15 organizations, we were taking 15 hours, we were part of so much other things that we were too distracted to actually get deep with this community we were part of. And we were so distracted by responsibilities, we couldn't even commit to this community. We'd only show up like once a month. And let me tell you, when you are depending on a community to have your back, to, to form you spiritually, to help you get out of your sin, if you're only meeting once a month out of the whole year, you are in trouble. You're in some danger. And what I realized is because of the flakiness of these groups, even though these were great guys, even though we're all believers, because we weren't committed to each other, because we weren't serious about meeting every week at least, they all failed. And that was a sad thing. That was a sad part. And so what I noticed is what's really destroying community are Christians who, who maybe even unknowingly are so self-seeking that they can't commit. They only think about what benefits them, about who benefits them. And they're saying to themselves, you know what, I've tried this community thing before and Christians can get a little weird, right? There just can be some strange people. So what I need to do is find a bunch of people who are just like myself that I can fit in with and we can laugh and joke and be best friends and talk about Jesus and go get coffee all the time because that sounds great. But what we see in reality is that the church has never looked like that ever. It's in the diversity that we become strong. So what we really need to be as individual Christians are people that are first and foremost committed to Christ and people that have compassionate hearts, humility, meekness, patience, virtues that are selfless, that are others-seeking. 
And only in that instance can we actually form a community that can get to know each other deeply and help each other grow spiritually. And, and I'm proud to say that this is actually possible. Right now I have a community in Dallas, Texas, a bunch of friends that I graduated with in, at Texas A&M uh, back in 2010, holy moly. Uh, and we have decided, you know, um, we, we got, got together to play you know, games and, and watch, um, actually watch Downton Abbey of all things together on Thursday nights. Don't judge me, it's a great show. Um, so we would get, but we, well, one night we were like, well, you know what? Um, Down's awesome. But what was really a lot better than watching TV is that we really, really have a need as believers to make sure that our community of friends right here is centrally focused on Christ. So we said to ourselves, hey, what if we just set aside Tuesday night? What if we just met together for two hours? And we don't have any kind of agenda, but what we want is to get together to pray for each other, to hear what we actually need and to pray for each other, to worship God and, and to dive into scripture in some way. It's simple, it's simple. But we've made sure first and foremost that you were committed to come every Tuesday night, that you were committed to this community, that you lay down whatever else you might have to do and build up this community. And I'm proud to say that this community is strong. But what I will say to you is that this does not look like what I thought it would look like. None of us, I don't think I would be friends with most of these people if it wasn't for our shared identity in Christ. We have too much uh, differences, we have too many differences. This is so, such a diverse community. I would never pick them to be friends with, but because we have formed a community, we are strong together because we love Christ together. It's that simple. So don't ever look to uh, these to human beings to be uh, the perfect place, your best friends. Don't ever look for that, but look for people that love Christ more than anything else. And I will assure you that that will make you into the believer that God wants you to be. And it's strong because we all love Christ, who's our mediator. So how do you know when your community is doing well? How do you know? Well, it's going to look a lot like Colossians 3, 14, 15. When everyone in your community has put on compassionate hearts, when everyone in your community has humility, when everyone's focused off themselves, when everyone is uh, patient with each other, is kind to each other, is forgiving each other, even for the smallest things, then your community will be marked by what Paul says. He's going to say three things. It's going to be marked by love. It's going to be marked by peace. It's going to be marked by thankfulness. So if you look at your community, just think to yourself, is that, my, is that my community? Is that my Bible study? Is that my church? Is that my group of friends? Are we marked by love and peace and uh, thankfulness? Is that us? And before we, we start to uh, uh, define uh, love for ourselves, we get a perfect definition in Scripture. And what we notice is love is the bond of perfection that holds us all together. All over the New Testament, you will never get love defined as a feeling. You never get it defined as a, a butterfly feeling in your heart that, oh, wow, I'm so attracted to that person. Oh, so we should get together in community. But what you always see love defined in New Testament is always about sacrifice. It is always about sacrifice. And we learn the example from Jesus himself, right? Who lived a perfect life, who died for us sinners. While we were still hostile to God, Jesus died for us. That's crazy. And because of his death, we believe in that. 
We can have forgiveness of our sins. And more than that, we can have a a relationship with God. We can fulfill the desire in our hearts that's been longing for something eternal for our whole lives. And we've tried to fill it with so many different things for so long. And we finally have the fulfillment in Jesus, in God. And this love that Jesus shares with us on the cross is the same love that you are called to share with your community. So if you're not sacrificing, then it's hard to make a case that you're actually loving. If you're not giving up yourself, it's hard to make that case that you truly are loving when that is the basis of love all over the New Testament. Because Christ sacrificed in love, you must also sacrifice in love. And when all of these are present, what's great is that peace will be inherent in the community. And Paul says, and also be thankful. He kind of tags it on at the end, but he says, and be thankful. And what I realized, and a definition I came up, is thanksgiving, honestly, is just a simple orientation of the heart to a loving God. It's the orientation of a heart towards a loving God. And it's the logical response of a believer to a God that truly loves them. And I think for us, like, it sounds so pre-K to be like, and be thankful, right? And be thankful. Let's spend some time going around the table and saying what we're thankful for. But the logical, natural orientation of a believer's heart is to thank the God that died for them, the God that has given them every good thing, and to praise his name in the community of faith here at the church and to praise his name in the outer community outside these walls and to really have a life that showcases the glory and excellence and beauty and magnificence of a God who loves you unconditionally, forever, eternally. The natural response of that is thankfulness. And it is evident in your life. When you daily are thanking God by living a life in response, a living a life a part of this community. And this is the community that we are all called to be a part of, right? This is a community that reflects Christ the best to the outside world. And let me just tell you one thing right now. Uh, Pastoring high school students uh, has its uh, hilarious moments. Um, But there is one word that scares high school students more than anything else, and I think scares most believers more than anything else, is the word evangelism. It just terrifies them. Like, you want me to go talk to strangers about Christ? Yeah, they start to freak out. Like, what do I say? What do I do? I don't know the gospel. I don't know how how to say that, communicate that well. But what is, what is uh, said throughout the New Testament is that when you are living in a community that is showcasing the love of Christ well, there is no better way to share the gospel than through the way that you love each other. There's no better way to share that gospel. It's better than going and knocking on random people's doors and talking to them and say, hey, you want to talk about my friend Jesus, right? There's better, way better than that uh, than just striking those ring conversations is when people can look at this church, when people can look at your small group, when people can look at your life and be like, you know what? That's the love. That's the Christ. That's the peace. That's what I want. That's what I desire. That's what's going to really fulfill the desire of my heart and my life is to be in something that looks like that and is 
is through your community that is strong in Christ, that everyone in the outside world can look in and say, that's what I want. That's what I want. So the best way to preach the gospel, the best way to evangelize, this is the way you're in community. This is the way you're in community. And so I'm telling you right now, Right now, if you're not a part of something, if you're not a part of uh, actively involved in this church, if you're not actively involved in a small group, if you're not actively involved in, in something, then guys, you're making a big mistake. You're leaving yourself out to dry. So I'm telling you right now, be a part. Find something. Find anything. Find believers that will commit to you. We'll commit to getting to know you. We'll commit to praying for you. We'll commit to sharing the gospel with you daily. Commit to loving you. And really form this community that will help you grow and help y'all grow as we all wait for the day when our community will be with Christ in heaven and the eternal state where the true community, the truest community will be formed, when we all with one voice will sing and worship our God with all people from all nations forever and ever as we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is the community that we are meant to be. And this should be a shadow, should be a copy of that time to come as we wait for that glorious existence with our Savior. So if you're not a part of it, guys, find something. And, and right now, I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of people think, you know, um, I don't know if I can find that. I don't know if my group is, is like that. I don't know what to do. Should I leave it? Should I join a new church? Should I find a new Bible study? What do I do? Well, let me tell you, be the person who starts this. Be the person who initiates this. Be the person who says, you know what? Forget all this other nonsense we're doing with our time. It's not worth it. Be the person that says, you know what's worth it? As if this community would really get deep with each other. If we actually knew what we are dealing with. If we actually knew what our sin was. If we actually knew how to care for each other all. If we actually knew how to pray for each other. And be that person that starts that. I'm going to close uh, with this uh, quote from uh, my boy Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <laughs> it says this. Uh, it says, it is easily forgotten that the community of Christians is a gift of grace from the kingdom of God, a gift that can be taken from us any day. Let them thank God on their knees and realize it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are still permitted to live in the community of Christians today. Guys, it is nothing but grace that you are part of this community. It is nothing but grace that keeps you rooted down in a community of faith. So let us thank God. Let our community be marked by thanksgiving by love, and by peace. I'll pray for us, and we can be done. Thanks for coming today. Father God, we are so thankful to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're so thankful to be a part of a community that, that loves. We're so thankful to be a part of a community that is active and serving. We're so thankful to be a part of a community that you've called us to, that you've sent your son to die for, and that you've called us to a life uh, that, that can be lived in this new identity with you. Father, we pray for the strength, for the motivation, for the, for the joy to put on this compassionate heart, to put on humility and meekness and patience and form a community of faith that is serious about growth, serious about getting to know you deeper and leaving behind this life of sin 
that has clung to us so closely, that we would uh, be a people who have, have diverted from this isolation and have found the true community that resembles the community that we're looking forward to when we're with you in this eternal state. God, we're thankful to be here. We pray you'd make this all happen in accordance with the name of your son. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. I'm Jacob Smith, and we are so glad uh, that you're joining us here at the end of the semester. That's right. Wrapping it up. Wrapping this it up. This is it. It is. It's pretty much done. I mean, we've got finals at the end of this week. We do. Uh, we've got one more Sunday where we're meeting together, and man, then then it's Christmas time. Christmas Bust break. out the eggnog <laughs> and the... <clears throat> Other fattening dishes. That's right. I mean, like, pretty much the best. Clog time. your arteries. Oh man, I remember college students just going back for Christmas break, and I loved it. It was it was a time to not study, mm-hmm. to not have finals, yep. and wait for the grades to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not check them out. And have awkward conversations with your high school friends that you haven't talked to in three years. So good, so good. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. we uh, we talked about community yesterday uh, at Anderson. We talked about, we had a speaker in, a guy named Ben Biles, who did an incredible job. He's a youth pastor up in Dallas, an old, old friend of mine. He was on youth staff, actually, here a few years ago with Kevin and myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, he talked about how our faith uh, interacts with the community at large, or how we need to be in community as people of faith. And so, uh, man, I, I think it's it was a very timely message because we're walking into a season where uh, our normal community maybe goes away, or at least we're far away from, there's distance. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I know that some of us, we either uh, realize that, man, I don't have something that I'm stepping back into over the spring hmm. in actuality, and I need to maybe take some time to think about, man, where where can I be involved? Where can I find community? Where can I be known uh, and know others who are pursuing the same God as me when the spring hits? Uh, but for some of us, it's also just considering in the, in the, in the break, how do I keep up with the people that have been running with me, walking with me, loving me, challenging me over the course of the fall. I know that, Kevin, you wanted to talk a little bit even about that. Yeah, you know, at, at, at Southwood, we uh doing like a short little series called A Complicated Christmas. And uh, the reason I titled it that is because as I was reading through um, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we don't see like this picture-perfect uh, little marriage of the coming of baby Jesus. is actually a lot more complicated than that. And you, you see a virgin get pregnant. Uh, Joseph wanting to divorce her, and it's it's just a it's a challenging situation. And uh, and uh, as I thought about our students going home, I know many of them are walking into challenging situations. There's broken marriages. There's mm-hmm. uh, family members that have been astray. There's uh, awkward uncles uh, that you got to deal with over <laughs> uh-huh. the season. You know, there's any number of things that can just make life a little bit complicated. And uh, and not to mention high school friends. Uh, you know, I know uh, for me, I had some great high school friends to come home to, but some people, man, they, they've made some real changes this semester. They've really started walking with God for the first time. And so it's very easy to drift back into old patterns when they, when they head home, either with, with their family or with their friends. And so one of the things I just wanted to encourage our students with as they are going home is to say, all right, it's never been easy. You know, it's never been easy to walk with Jesus. Jesus affects your life, and, uh, and that's okay. 
And to know that going home, we all need community, people around us mm. to help us walk with the Lord and know that uh, even it says in, in the Gospel of Matthew that, that the name of the Messiah will be Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. And so that God is with us even in those complicated scenarios. And, uh, and he's put you there for a purpose, to, mm-hmm. to represent him and that he can, you can be uh, his voice, his light in that place. Yeah. So just encourage our students as they go home, God's with you. And and you are you are there as a light to that community. Yeah, so. and we'll still be thinking about you guys and praying for you uh, as a staff. You know, we uh, we take advantage of the time where where you go home, and we just we continue to. Uh, pray for you, and we continue to plan out when, what we're going to be doing in the spring. So we're excited for all that coming up, and there will be more information about that coming up in the next you know month or so. But uh, in the meantime, we're not actually gone yet. And so for Anderson, for Southwood, uh, college service is running like normal on December 11th, next Sunday. Uh, but for Anderson, it's going to be a little bit different. Rather than meeting in the morning, we are actually meeting at 5 o'clock on December 11th. Uh, at our main auditorium. So we're going to be meeting across the, the street from our where we normally are gathered. Uh, and we're joining with the, fa- the families at Anderson as well. We're going to have one big, massive uh, joint service. It's going to be super fun. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be Christmassy, and uh, I'm really excited for it. So that's December 11th, 5 o'clock. Do not show up in the morning. <laughs> you will be alone and sad and probably cold if uh, weather well. continues as it is. And if you've missed Jacob and you're an Anderson person because he's been out for uh, for a while now with Go Missions and that's uh-huh. Uh-huh. thing. Daddy is coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> and, and I still love you. And I'm excited to talk to you about uh, Jesus Christ as our as our shepherd. And so yeah. anyway, we have that coming up at Anderson. We also have a couple of college-specific events that are going on yeah. at Southwood. That's right. Two, two events uh, to close out the semester. One is uh, our coffee house. And it's going to be Thursday, December 8th, and Monday, December 12th, uh, mm-hmm. both from 1 p- 2 p.m. Sorry, 2 p.m. to 1 a.m. There it is. That is 11 hours of study time. Uh, we will have coffee for you. Uh, table set up for you to study. If you just need a place to get away, get some time to study, there's actually like designated places where there will be no talking mm-hmm. or no silence. Fun, just you with your nose to the grindstone, and uh, studying, getting ready for finals. So I'd love for you to come out and see you there. Well, we'll also have some other places like within that room where you can kind of connect with people and get a break, sure. get a breather. Uh, but it is to focus on, hey, here's a place for you to study. And I uh, know sometimes it can be tough to find a place. Lots of Wi-Fi, lots of places right. to plug in your electronics. That's right. And just places to yeah, spread out and study. That's uh, awesome. It'll be fun. And following that, there's going to be a fun night, and this is uh, for all college, yeah. and it's the game night over at our Southwood campus. Smack dab in the be, middle on that Friday night. It's going to be that Friday night, December 9th, from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. That is correct. You know you are not studying during that time, no. and you are looking for a place to play games oh, and yeah. blow off steam. Oh, definitely. That's what we're doing. And That's we're going to have a setup. So if you came to our <laughs> game night about a month ago, uh, it's going to be similar, but this time with some added Christmas elements. Uh, it's going to be really fun. We'll have So we'll have different tournaments of games going on, mm-hmm. uh, like Rocket League, Rocket League and FIFA and Smash and stuff like that. But we'll have board games as well. We'll have Christmas activities. We'll have, like, cooking to decorate and gingerbread houses to build that kind of stuff Fair so guys and girls guys and girls everyone is welcome so yeah if you got some time bring a friend bring a roommate uh, come just to enjoy yourself get some free sugar mm. and fun uh, Saturday or like we said Friday night 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock come and go so awesome. hey thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast yep. have a great week see you in January <laughs>